This is the Digital Nomad Quest podcast with Sharon Sung, teaching people how to build passive income, become financially free, and design their best lives. Many people feel overwhelmed when it comes to investing. They don't know where to start or how to make their money work for them, and I get it. Nobody taught you this in school, and we didn't learn how to have healthy conversations around money when there's such a stigma around talking about it. But investing is extremely important. If you want any chance at financial freedom in retirement, you have to learn how to build passive income and grow your wealth without you having to actively work all the time. Especially with inflation at such highs, you have to make your money work for you. So today we're gonna talk about 10 ways you can invest $10,000. If you don't know who I am, I'm Sharon Sung and I help people become financially free. My husband and I own 34 units across the nation and I've been featured on Business Insider, BBC, Market Watch, and more where I had shared my tips on how to become a millionaire before 30. I started diversifying my investments and building passive income at an early age that helped set me up for a better future and I want the same for you. Now, you might be thinking, investing is risky and complicated. While yes, investing does involve risk, you can manage those risks by understanding and diversifying and it's not as complicated as you might think. By the end of this episode, you'll have a better understanding of how to invest your money wisely and set yourself on a path to financial growth and security. So let's get started. First off, I want you to ask yourself a few questions. What are your financial goals? How much risk are you willing to take? And what's your investment timeline? I want you guys to write down your answers because this will help you figure out what strategy you'd like to take moving forward. Once you've done that, let's talk about your first investment if you haven't done this already. That's right, let's talk about building your emergency fund. An emergency fund consists of three to six months worth of expenses kept aside for unexpected situations. Having a stable emergency fund can prevent you from selling stocks, using credit cards, and getting into more debt or losing other investments during emergencies like unexpected job loss, car problems, significant home repairs, or medical issues. Not saving enough for emergency expenses is one of the top financial regrets for many Americans, according to a survey by Bankrate in 2021. In this kind of situation, many resort to taking on more high interest debt like credit card debt to cover unexpected expenses. This can lead to a debt cycle that's difficult to break because high interest debt can quickly accumulate and hinder your financial progress. Having a safety net in the form of an emergency fund ensures you're prepared for unexpected expenses or financial setbacks because you don't want to get into more debt in case anything happens. Building your emergency fund can sound difficult to some, so let's break it down into simple steps. First, you want to calculate the amount you need to save and then create a budget to determine your monthly savings capacity. Number two, I want you to start setting aside money for your emergency fund and consider even doing automatic transfers to make sure that you are hitting those consistent savings. Step three, I want you to look for opportunities to reduce your expenses. First, you should start with your biggest ones like housing and transportation costs, but then after that, you can try to trim unnecessary spending like canceling subscriptions and cooking meals at home. Step four, I want you to get a high yield savings account so you can maximize interest earnings and expedite your progress towards your goals. I love high yield savings accounts because your money is relatively liquid, but you're also making your money work for you because the interest rates are higher than regular savings accounts. By following these steps and staying committed, you're gonna be well prepared in case anything happens. Secondly, once you've taken care of that, you wanna invest in paying off high interest debt. So according to CNBC, this was the average debt balance of Americans by age. So Gen Z, it was around 95 
$2,500. Millennials, it was $78,000. Gen X, $135,000. Baby Boomers, $96,000. And the Silent Generation, $40,000. Debt is unfortunately common and it makes it extremely hard to grow wealth. It's usually siphoning your money and making it harder to save. And it's really difficult to invest your money into assets that can beat the interest of high interest debt with its rate of return. That's why paying off high interest debt should be a priority before investing. Some experts say any loan above student loan or mortgage interest rates is high interest debt. And currently these rates are at around seven plus percent for mortgage interest. So if you have anything above that, you should work on getting rid of it ASAP. Credit card loans and car loans are usually the ones with high interest rates ranging from 10 to 25%. So make sure you pay those off. Now, although it might not be the most exciting way to invest your $10,000, once you have gotten rid of high interest debt and have your emergency fund in place, you can invest your 10,000 with peace of mind. It lets you navigate unexpected situations with more confidence without constantly worrying about how to handle financial crisis. After all that, let's get into the good stuff. So number three, you're gonna wanna invest in your retirement accounts. Retirement accounts aren't asset types to invest in. They're accounts that hold the investments you choose. So investing in your retirement accounts has tax benefits, which is why I would prioritize these first after making sure you've covered your financial fundamentals. There are several retirement fund options to consider like the Roth IRA, 401k, and health savings accounts, which is the HSA. With a Roth IRA, you can contribute after tax money to your retirement fund. So any money you contribute to your Roth IRA grows tax-free and you can withdraw it tax-free in retirement. The current limit is $6,500 if you're under age 50 and $7,500 if you're age 50 or older. This is for 2023. And to be eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, the income limits for 2023 are less than 153K for single tax filers and less than 228,000 for those married and filing jointly. I like this account because for example, if you contributed $10,000 and that money eventually grows to $100,000 in the future, if you were to sell that and it was in a Roth IRA, you wouldn't have to pay taxes on it, which normally you would. Then there's a 401k. With the 401k plan, you can contribute money to your retirement fund before taxes are deducted. This allows you to reduce your taxable income now, but you'll need to pay taxes later. So in 2023, the contribution limit is $22,500 or $30,000 if you are age 50 or older. It's a good idea to do this if your company offers employer matching because that's basically free money. You should always take advantage of that if they offer that matching. And a 401k might be a good idea also if you're in a high tax bracket now and you think you'll be in a lower one when you retire. Another great investment account to use is your HSA. So an HSA is a tax advantage medical savings account that you can use to pay for qualified medical expenses. The cool part about the HSA is you basically don't have to pay income taxes on whatever you contribute to an HSA. Contributions are federally tax deductible so you can reduce your taxable income. Both contributions and earnings grow federal tax-free and withdrawals are also tax-free for qualified out-of-pocket medical expenses. So make sure to use these accounts to your advantage because you can get a lot of great tax benefits from them. Number four, I want you to look into high-yield savings accounts. So I'm a huge fan of high-yield savings accounts because this is basically where I would place my emergency funds and money for other savings goals. It's safer and more liquid than other asset types. So in case anything happens, you can still pull it and it lets you grow your money at a higher interest rate versus a regular savings account. Number five, you can invest in CDs. And when I say CDs, I'm not talking about what we used to listen to music with. I'm talking about a certificate of deposit. So a CD is another type of savings account with a fixed time period and interest rate. So you're getting predictable 
predictable returns that are higher than other savings accounts and it's safer. But compared to other asset types, you're gonna get lower returns and it's harder to withdraw because you choose a length of time you agree to keep your money tied into a CD when you're investing in one. And unfortunately, you would get a penalty for early withdrawals. Number six, you can also invest in bonds. Bonds aren't that fun of an investment type, but they're basically like an IOU between a lender and borrower and used by companies, states, governments to finance projects and operations. You can buy their bonds and you'll get interest payments on the investment until the maturity date is reached, which basically is when the principal is repaid. Technically, CDs carry less risk than bonds, but bonds are still generally safe as compared to other types like stocks. But bonds also usually have relatively low returns and bond prices fall when interest rates go up. Investment number seven is stocks. In a nutshell, investing in individual stocks means buying a piece of a company, making you a partial owner of that company. Out of everything I've talked about, it's the riskiest asset type so far. The value of your stocks can go up or down based on how well the company performs and how investors perceive its future potential. One of the most compelling reasons to invest in stock is the potential for those high returns. As companies grow and generate higher profit, the value of their shares can increase. Stocks are also relatively liquid, meaning you can buy or sell them easily on the stock exchanges, giving you the ability to respond to these changing market conditions. This liquidity gives you flexibility to adjust your investment strategy as needed. I would say though, because it's so liquid, it might actually be a con because a lot of people react emotionally and lose money in the stock market. If you're able to invest without emotion and you're good at picking stocks, maybe this makes sense for you. But generally, if you're trying to trade stocks rather than invest long-term, according to a survey, only 1% of day traders were able to consistently make money over a period of five years or more. That's why I wouldn't hold only individual stocks in your portfolio unless you really know what you're doing. For most people watching and listening, I'd recommend the next option, which is number eight, index funds and ETFs. By investing in an index fund or ETF, you're investing in a basket of stocks. It allows you to own a little piece of everything and they track the overall market, meaning more diversification and less risk. These funds generally have low fees, meaning a higher percentage of your money goes back to you as an investor. SPY is an ETF I personally invest in that tracks the S&P 500, which has had an average historical return of 10% in the last 30 years. And in terms of index funds, VTSAX is another popular one that tracks the CRSP US total market index and is also designed to give investors exposure to the entire US stock market. All right, number nine is a bit different and it's to start your own business. This isn't for everyone, especially if you don't see yourself being your own boss and doing more upfront work to get it started. But by diving into the world of entrepreneurship, you're gonna be able to get more control over shaping your financial journey. With $10,000, you could open a business and use the funds for purchasing necessary equipment or advertising costs, websites, education, other things. Or if you want, there are actually many businesses and side hustles that don't require much in startup costs like Merch by Amazon, Etsy, affiliate marketing. I talk about these a lot on my channel, so make sure to go check out my side hustle tutorials. While starting a business can be risky, it also offers high returns if done successfully. Running your own business means freedom of being your own boss, flexible hours, unlimited earning potential. And it's a great platform for learning opportunities, but it's a lot of work. So you do need to see if you're willing to put in that effort. Now, what we like to do with our businesses is to invest the cash flow we get from it into other asset types like stocks or real estate, which is my next asset type I'm gonna talk about. Number 10, real estate investing is one of my favorite ways to build wealth. Real estate generally requires more capital, which 
is why I put it last because we normally recommend at least having 25,000 or so before investing in real estate. But with 10,000, you may be able to still afford a down payment for a cheaper home, especially if you use something like an FHA loan and house hack. I would make sure to have an emergency fund on top of this as there's always gonna be unexpected things like repairs and vacancies. If this all doesn't make sense to you, make sure to check out my other videos on real estate investing on my channel. I'd also recommend you guys checking out my how to buy your first property master class. I'm gonna link it in the description below, but it's a great way to understand the fundamentals. Real estate is great because you get the benefits of appreciation, depreciation, cash flow, and tax benefits. If you bought a $100,000 home and was able to get it with a down payment of $10,000, if your home went up in price to $20,000, that's a 200% ROI on your money. That's the power of leverage with real estate. You didn't have to spend the full amount of 100,000 because you borrowed money and only put in 10, so you got a higher ROI. As a bonus, if you don't have enough for a property, real estate investment trusts are another option. These companies own a portfolio of commercial real estate and you can buy shares just like stocks. You can also check out companies like Fundrise, which is an online real estate platform that lets people invest in commercial and residential properties through crowdfunding. Instead of coming up with a full purchase price for a property on their own, people can pool their money together and invest in properties as a group. As a real estate investor, you normally need a decent amount of capital, multiple five figures for a down payment. And if you wanted to be a limited partner in a large real estate investing syndication deal, you usually need to be an accredited investor as well as invest a large amount of capital. But Fundrise lets you own property in a low cost way for as little as $10. If you're interested in Fundrise, I'll put a link in the description below. All right, so if you have $10,000 to invest, doing it wisely can completely change the game for you. So make sure you pay off high interest debt and build an emergency fund. Then you can look into making your money work for you through different investment types like stock, bonds, CDs, index funds, real estate, and more. Each one comes with its own pros and cons. Make sure to see which strategy is right for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps our podcast grow. And thanks again. I'll see you guys in the next one.